So the supper table is prepared. We're getting ready for a great festivity. Man, people are coming over. There's excitement. And we're getting ready to serve people. How exciting is it to think that we're having guests in our house? And when these people come over, they're going to feel loved and appreciated. They're going to feel accepted. They're going to love sitting around the table. And, and the most exciting part about it is that I get to serve them. We get to serve them. There's nothing like a good Thanksgiving dinner. Amen? There's nothing better than, than being able to, to set everything out and display everything. And, and when you see it so artfully presented, you get excited. I mean, come on. We put a lot of time and energy into the right type of napkins, centerpieces, all of the silverware. Some houses have china, others don't. But in reality, the most important part is the food. But to me, I believe the most important part is sometimes the fellowship that comes with the preparation and the cleanup. And today's message we're going to be talking about, we are the body. So I'm going to ask you, what is important to you? As a community, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, it's exciting for me because many times as, the, as people start to arrive, I think, oh, this is so cool. People are coming for a good meal here. People are coming for some food. People are coming for milk. People are coming for dessert. Not just milk of the Word, but they want the whole well-balanced meal. But it takes time. I remember, you know, growing up and, and my mom would start the turkey. Those were the days when you prepared everything 48 hours beforehand. I'm just kidding. Maybe seven days beforehand. Just kidding. I know mom goes, no. But that night before, you're preparing to stuff that turkey and all the preparation that goes into it so that that one meal can just turn out scrump delicious. <laughs> and then sometimes you say, oh, the stuffing is too dry or the stuffing's too moist or whatever it might be. But I remember, you know, as a kid watching my mom and my aunts and uncle and, you know, everybody coming together. And I even watched even within my, uh, uh, my grandparents, you know, the cleanup process, standing at the sink, those were the days before dishwashers. Those were the days before we were spoiled to rinse stuff off and put it in there. Now dishwashers are called sanitation stations because I don't even think they wash. Why is it that you have to wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher? I don't understand that. Shouldn't we just be able to chuck them all in there, pile them all up, and the thing should just do like a car wash does, just slap the heck out of all the dishes, and they come out sparkling. All right, that's what I was thinking. But no, we've got to go to all this work. You know what that is? That's because we are a family. That's because we are the body of believers, and we are a part of our earthly family, and in a church, you're part of the family of God. And when you're part of the family of God, if you walk into the sanctuary and your sights are set on Christ, then your heart is upward instead of inward, then the tone of your worship changes. And so as we walk into the building, we're preparing for what God has for us. When was the last time that you made someone feel comfortable? Maybe... When was the last time that you made yourself uncomfortable to make somebody else feel comfortable? 
about 15 years ago, this song came out called We Are the Body. It's by Casting Crowns, but I like this uh, little drama that they put with it. And I found this and I thought, wow, this is so the church. We need to, we need to make sure that we're preparing for people to come. Because if people don't see Christ in us on every level, then are we really proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? I love what Ron Sterner had to say. I'm thankful that I can hold this Bible high. I'm glad that we can proclaim it in America in a time when many churches are closed, many countries are still closed, and they cannot proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But are you thankful that we have the Word of God? And that's the food for us today. Listen to this song because as, as I was putting together this message, I thought, wow, all I want is for us to be the body of Christ. I'm going to ask you today, are you part of the body? And can you say, yes, we are the body? Listen closely.
How many of you believe this morning that you're part of the body of Christ? Amen. And we have a calling and we have a responsibility to let people know that Jesus is the only way. Amen. I don't, I don't know about you, but I know about me. That really moved me. I felt, uh, even as I was watching this just now, that is the whole premise of why I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is for people. And it's not for anything other than that is to bring hope to Jesus, for, to hope to people through Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you would ask yourself this question? How do I feel about my body? Strange question for a sermon, isn't it? Most of us would rather not think about our bodies. And if we do, we probably don't think of them very highly. Many of us would look in the mirror and say, yes, I'm probably a little too fat or a little too skinny, too short, too tall, a little bumpy, a little lumpy, or just plain ugly. We're hard on ourselves, aren't we? I heard a story once, and here's what it said. It was this guy who was so ugly when he was a kid that his parents took him everywhere they went so they wouldn't have to kiss him goodbye. I know. I just, when I, when I saw that, that's not original. That was something I read, and so I thought I'd just throw it in there. Unbelievable. That's how we think about it. I love what it says here in... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as it describes the church of Jesus Christ, the one he came back to time and time again, as Paul was preaching, was that of the human body. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the, hand, the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable 
are treated with special modesty, while our present, uh, presentable parts need no special treatments. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Here's the narrative, and here's how it's broke down. It says the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one body, right? And so it is with the body, Christ. We have all been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit, and we have all received the same spirit. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And then it says in verse 27, Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. So look around you. Each one of you makes up a part of the body of Christ, just as God put together our physical bodies together in our mother's womb. So he put us together in the body of Christ. Listen closely. Do you know in the apostle in the New Testament, his name is Paul. And Paul makes over 30 references to the body of Christ. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? What we do often is to skip over things like that without really taking the time to actually think about it. We all know what a body is. We all occupy one every day. But do we really take time to look at how those vessels of flesh and blood, little biology class here today, that we live in are a living illustration of what the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be like or meant to look like. But according to the Bible, listen closely, the church is not an organization or an institution. It's an organism. Interesting, isn't it? Ever growing and ever becoming. It's not a community group. It's a whole new community with a new order, with new values, very often in sharp conflict with the values of the surrounding society. By one and the same Spirit, God has called us to be one body in Christ. So today we're going to look at seven blessings and what we have been called to do in belonging to the body of Christ. Seven blessings and what we have been called to do in belonging to the body of Christ. Do you ever get like a pimple on your face or some type of scar or bump? You know it doesn't belong there. You'll do whatever it takes to get rid of it, right? Well, today, I hope that by the end of the service, you'll understand that if there is a blemish, what are we doing to get rid of it? You see, Satan is always about seeking about whom he may devour, as it says in Peter, to destroy the body, much like cancer. We have to be careful because cancer can come into the physical body and destroy it. As members of his body and our Savior, we have been called to do, first of all, share in the promises of Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to break this down for you and I won't take a lot of time, but I'll take some time this morning because I want you to see to, to what benefit is it that the scriptures say that we are the body. That we have a responsibility to Christ. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, Through the gospel we are heirs. 
says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What is it saying here? We are heirs, we are members together of one body and sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, this isn't a message that I'm always preaching on in regard to our body. But there's a reason why I want to preach on, it to, on this today because I believe that the Holy Spirit has led me in this direction. Funny that today in uh, the discipleship class with the men, they brought up about being part of the body, what your role is in the body of Christ. And how does that play out? Very often we go through life and we don't even begin to realize the blessings that we have. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, yes, yes in Christ. All of the promises of God are yes to us in Christ Jesus. God said His yes to us when in love He sent His Son to be one of us. And as our substitute to die our death with the wrath of God, the Father heaped upon Him. And because the Father accepted His sacrifice for us, we know ourselves to be forgiven and redeemed. Bought back to Himself. We are made co-heirs together with Christ of God's eternal kingdom. We are given a peace that passes all understanding because of the promises that came to me because of His resurrection. And if something happens to me today, I know that when my eyes close in death, Within the twinkling of an eye, I'll be in the presence of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of that promise, I can have the courage to forget what is past, put my hands to the present, face the future, because I trust in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know His promise is that Though whatever circumstances that come my way, I'm in the Master's hand who will not let me go. And that, He'll use them to build my faith. He's my strength and He's my shield. My mighty fortress in times of trouble. Through His Word, through His sacraments, through communion, He promises to keep me in the one true faith. Isn't that amazing? Those are just some of the promises that cause us to come together, not just for the weekend worship or a Sunday worship service, but throughout each week. And to join in doing what God has called us to do together. We are sharers together in those promises and all of the other promises we have from God to us. So we share in the promises of Christ Jesus then he's called us to do number two, hope. He's called us to hope. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, and, and you can follow with me, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Now, listen. This is God, not Todd. You were called to one hope when you were called. What a hope we have. So what is hope? Watch. The Bible says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In our language, hope is a verb. But in Greek, in this verb, it is actually a noun. Some people put their hope in their education. Some put hope in their health. Some put hope for security and wealth. That's their anchor. 
but they may just have an experience similar to that of the ship, the Marine Electric, which sank off the coast of Virginia. Many of you know the story back in 1983, costing the lives of 31 sailors. The reason was the ship's eight-ton anchor came loose and battered the hull of the ship until the ship actually went down. The vessel was destroyed by its own anchor. If wealth is your anchor, it may destroy you. If health is your anchor, you may get sunk at your next doctor's visit. Our hope is in Christ, and He is the only unfailing anchor for the soul. There's a natural hope and a spiritual hope. Of the natural hope, there was a mathematician and a philosopher who was Omar Khayyam, said, it is like snow in the desert. But of our spiritual hope, in Hebrews 6.19 says, it's an anchor for the soul. As believers in Christ, we're called to the one hope of our calling. That is, to eternal life in God's kingdom. It's the rock-solid assurance of no matter what the future has in store for us, and that God is the owner of all things and the Lord of history, that God is in charge. This past Monday... We said goodbye to a dear friend. Her name was Kay. And as we said goodbye, we came together as a body. A body of believers. A body of of a community of people through family in the natural. And those that came as part of the family of God in the supernatural. And we said our goodbyes. We bid our farewells. But we know the promises are in Christ Jesus where he says, you know what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm His child. For we are the body, as you heard in the song. But we have hope. And it's up to us to bring hope to people. And it was great to see family come together. I do know that Bob was shocked. Your dad was shocked. That so many people came out to comfort him. How cool is that? Isn't that what funerals are about? Isn't that what celebration of life is about? Isn't that what memorial services are about? To come together and celebrate the life in Christ. That's exciting for me. And then we get to stand up and go, oh, don't you worry. You know, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't don't be afraid. You don't have to worry about anxiety or anything. You know, God's got all of this. That's the hope that we have in Him. And you can shut the air down if you would, please. Point number three, He's called us to belong. He's called us to belong. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says this. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. What it's saying here is so in Christ, we are many form one body and each member belongs to all others. Now watch, when God calls you to salvation, He also calls you to a community. There's no such thing as Christianity in isolation. There are no Lone Ranger disciples, solo flyers. My life is my business. Within the community of believers, I believe that's all just baloney. When God calls us, He calls us together. When God calls us, He calls us together. We become members of the body of Christ. And that is what's so important. This past Monday... We saw the body of Christ come together. I stood back as a proud pastor. And I believe that our Father in Heaven 
stood back and said, wow, look how the community of believers served the people in the Robinson family. I think it's important that we understand what the body looks like. Now, we realize that there's also a biology to this. So I'm going to have my, put him on the spot here, my daughter's boyfriend who's going to school to be a physician's assistant. He knows about, and then we're going to ask him, what is homeostasis? Just as a biology question here. All right. uh, Well, okay. (laughs) Homeostasis is like your body has a lot of cells, right? Well, each cell has a specific job. Cells, tissues, organs, they all have their own specific job. Well, homeostasis is the body's way of keeping equilibrium, which means keeping the body where it's supposed to be at. So you don't want to be too hot. If you get too cold, you shiver. Your body has a way of naturally bringing itself back to equilibrium. But every single part of the body has its own job, and they all work towards the same goal, and that's homeostasis. So what happens if a cell doesn't work properly? If, If a cell is not functioning properly, it'll probably end up dying off, like it's called apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. So right. if the cell is not functioning properly and not you know, cooperating with the whole rest of the body, the body will get rid of it. Right. So I really do believe, isn't that interesting? Now, now watch this correlation. Good job, Joe. Thank you for biology class. Okay, now you can move on. Uh, you've done well in, in, in class today. I believe that Paul had a little bit of background on this because here's what he was actually saying. Each cell of the human body has a specific function. However, its purpose is to help every other cell survive. Isn't that interesting? Each cell works for the good of all others is exactly what Joe said. God keeps his promises to me by drawing me into the family of God called the church, the body of Christ. And there's a closer union and connection between us than any physical bond we could ever have because we're related to one another through the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to Christ who bought us and we belong to one another. We are blood brothers and sisters in Christ. Belonging to the body of Christ, we identify with Christ and his people. By identifying yourself as a member of Christ's body through who? Through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You make it clear whose side you're on. You're a part of God's plan to reach people that are lost without Christ and to call people into fellowship with the body of believers. Together with the rest, you demonstrate your commitment to the proper workings of the parts of the body of Christ. Interesting, isn't it? Much like the biology that we just learned about cells. If one starts to misfire, the others come in and help it to properly fix itself, and rejuvenate itself. In July 24, 2002, it was Kew Creek Mine in Pennsylvania. Many of you know the stories. Nine miners were trapped for three days, 240 feet underground in a water-filled mine shaft. They decided very early on that they were either going to live or die as a group. The 55-degree temperature of the water threatened to kill them slowly by what? By hypothermia. So according to one news report, when one would get cold, the other eight would huddle around the person and then would warm them. And they returned the favor for each other. 
One of the miners said, everybody has strong moments, but any certain time, maybe one guy got down and the rest pulled together. And then that guy would get back up and maybe someone else would feel a little weaker, but it was a team effort. That's the only way it could have been. They faced incredibly hostile conditions together. And here's the the glorious part of the story. They all came out alive together. What a picture of the body of Christ. Even if you have just a superficial grasp of, of this one body imagery, if it demolishes most of the individualized religion of our day. Overemphasize personal opinion and you create a fragile unity. As sinners, we're naturally divisive. So it's only through the presence and work of Christ that we can stay together. Only in Christ is their basis for unity that transcends differences. Maybe more churches and relationships between believers would be preserved if we ended every disagreement with a genuine question. Are we still together in Christ? Are we focusing not on what we want, but on what He, the Lord of the church, wants us to do? It's amazing how People can come in and cause division very quickly, and it's easy to get on that bandwagon, but I think we often forget what our responsibility is in Christ and what our goal is, right? Is to continue to move the church forward and to build the kingdom of heaven. We need to grow together as a body of Christ. Number four, we are called to peace. Colossians chapter 3, 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. We're called to give our selfish mindset and pursuits and hand ourselves over to the greater good of the body. The way we relate to one another is supposed to be radically different from the way non-Christians treat one another, right? Humility, gentleness, patience, Enduring one another's faults, weaknesses, idiosyncrasies should characterize our relationships that demand a selfless attitude. Interesting. When Jesus stands among us and his presence and his words proclaim, peace be with you. That peace is our bond. We're united by that peace. The peace comes through the grace of God. A peace that what? Passes all understanding. A peace that is common joy. The peace frees us from competing against one another and comparing ourselves to one another. We are who we are in Christ and with Christ as our peace. We share a common bond. And you and I keep the unity of the Spirit by keeping Christ as our peace. It is our responsibility, church, to bring peace to people, to bring hope to people, to be the bond that brings in new hope for recovery. That as we come together to say, wait a minute, we bring hope to the hurting. Sads me, but many times in our churches, people get disgruntled. We lose, we lose our focus. And when we lose our focus, we lose our purpose. Don't lose your purpose. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? I'm grateful to be in the house of the Lord. I'm grateful to come together as a body. We all sang together today. 
We sung, hallelujah. We, we, we proclaimed, we worshipped Him. See, worship was for Him today. Worship wasn't for us, but we came together as a body to exalt the name of Christ. Point number five. Point number five says, we are called to the truth. We are called to the truth. And here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, instead we hold to the truth. Instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthier and growing and full of what? Full of? Full of love. Isn't that awesome? We grow together. We expand together. We come together through loss. We come together through birth. We come together through heartache. We come together through pain. We pray for one another. We exalt one another. But more importantly, we come together for truth. The truth that's being talked about here is God's unfailing word. We're in this together, team. We're in this together. The health of this local body and your individual spiritual maturity is connected to each one. God's intention is that we be united in in building each other up in His Word and in truth. If anyone's not serious about God or His people, it affects the entire church. And it affects the the, the entire body. The Bible speaks of spiritual maturity as a group issue. God takes our vows and commitments seriously. It means that we have a commitment to challenge those who are loosely connected and do everything in our power to draw them back to God and His grace. If they put up a wall, then we have to speak the truth in love and ask them where they are in their relationship to Christ as Savior and Lord. How committed are you to be spiritually healthy and growing and full of love? The body of Jesus Christ is only as strong as its weakest link. Did you hear what I asked you a few minutes ago? Actually, five seconds ago. I said to you, how committed are you to be spiritually healthy and growing and full of love? Why is it that when we're honest with people and we say things like, something's not right with you. I mean, think about it. If all of a sudden I'm pointing at CJ, my finger does this, and I'm going to try to go, push it back, and it continues to go like this, we have an issue in this body. Right? It's not pointing in the right direction. I have one or two choices. I say, God, something ser- seriously is happening here. You've got to ask God to correct it. Maybe we need to see a physician. Maybe we need to get some consultation and find out what's going on. But we know that within the body there's an issue. I'm going to tell that finger, go back to where it, you're supposed to go. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Why is it that when we see within the church... Every time somebody starts to backslide or they start to fall away and their life starts to take a whole other direction, you wouldn't let this happen in your own body. Why do you allow, allow it to happen in the church? We need to edify one another, encourage one another. Dive in and love that person. And then tell them, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I love you, 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 and I care for you. And I care for you. You wouldn't let your child continue to keep doing wrong so he keeps going out to the fire and getting burnt. 
you would say, no, we've got to change the direction of that little boy or girl. We have a responsibility as the family of God to help each other to continue to grow closer to Jesus Christ. So why are we here today? We're here because we're learning the truths of God's word. We know that there's hope. We know that there's peace. We know that there's promises. But more importantly, we know that through that the blessings come, and we know that number six, God has called us to unity and oneness. God has called us to unity and oneness. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this in verse 3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then it says in verse 13, So all of us together shall come together till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. My brain has to tell me, Todd, take a step here. Look down, make sure you don't trip over this, right? My body's in one accord. There's unity within my body. I believe that Paul is speaking here that we need to be together in oneness and in unity as we walk in Christ. As Herman was driving down the freeway one day, his cell phone rang. Answering it, he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him, Herman, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way down the highway. Please be careful. It's not just one car, said Herman. It's hundreds of them. Well, wait a minute. Some of you will get it in just a second. Just as one or several cars can create major problems on a one-way highway, if they're not going in the same direction, so too in the church, the body of Christ, major problems can occur if one or more members are not living in unity with other members. Divisions within the church. Fractions. The Bible makes it very clear that God has no plan for that to be a part of his church. Instead, he says in Philippians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Listen, I might have been a youth pastor for a lot of years, and so I have a heart for people. We didn't have 300 people on the outreach here this past Easter on this property because all of you came together and you donated toys, you donated bikes, you donated all kinds of gifts so that we together in one accord could come together in unity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this property was packed full of little people everywhere. This sanctuary was packed full of little people. This place was packed all around the property as we had an Easter egg hunt. Why? Because you came together because you love Christ. And you know your purpose is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why should we as believers in Christ diligently maintain our unity? Because Jesus demands it. There's only one body and one spirit. It takes one body to contain one spirit. Anything else is impossible. If you have one body but more than one spirit, chaos reigns and within that one body. And if you need an example, I'll submit to you Exhibit A right here. Just kidding. 
United States Congress, primarily made up of two spirits, the spirit of the Democrats and the spirit of the Republicans. Two different spirits. Now, because we are talking about sinful people trying to make the best of a chaotic world, it is perhaps good to have the checks and balances of the two parties. But, when we are talking about the inner being of a living organism, it is not good to have competing spirits. Amen? That's why God hates double-minded men. We cannot have one body and several spirits. We are all pulling together for one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we and others might come to know him and the power of his resurrection. So many things are divisive, right? Because we're sinful people. We're saved by God's grace. That's the hardest part. Messages like this sometimes are very difficult and awkward. Why? Because people are different. We all have different opinions. We all have different, different thoughts. But if we come together knowing that we're a savage for our Savior from New Hope Recovery, that's their hashtag as Jeremy's wearing the shirt, we understand that because of all of that, unity and oneness, we are completed with point number seven. We are called now to do what? Function. We are called to function. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says this, For we have, have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Just as our body has many parts... And each part has special function. So it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body. And each of us has different works to do. Would you agree? And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs one another. Many of you may not understand what muscular dystrophy is about. It's a terrible, terrible disease. The person with muscular dystrophy has all the right parts and equipment available, brain cells, neurons, axons, muscles, but they don't work properly. The problem isn't in the brain. The brain sends the appropriate signals. And the problem lies between the nerve and the muscle. Now watch. The nerve conveys the brain's message, such as move, turn, lift, etc., the muscle does not respond. The body is essentially non-responsive to the brain's commands. Ephesians 4 tells us that there is one body and one Lord over the body. And his name is Jesus. What happens when we don't obey his commands? What happens when we don't obey or follow his lead? We have a sick body. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Muscles that are not used with the trophy, how healthy a, a part of the body are you? How healthy are you? Did you notice that your body doesn't exist for your hand? Your body doesn't exist for your feet. Your hands and feet exist to help the body function, right? There's no room for selfishness. Don't do anything that tears it down. The church begins to be what God intended it to be. When people stop sitting in the pew saying, There's not meeting, this just is not meeting my needs, and start saying, whose needs can I meet? Then the needs will be met. Upward, outward, inward. If our focus is upward, outward, and inward, growth starts to take place. The church just does not exist 
to meet our needs. We exist and are part of it to carry out the work of the body. And in doing so, our own needs are met. When the servant spirit flourishes in our congregation, then we'll minister to each other as Christ has intended. Love one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says this. If you're writing it down or you can look it up or I'm going to, it's up here on the, the screen. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You heard me preach last week, signs of the end times, right? It says here that the day is fast approaching. The day is fast approaching, church. And what are we going to do to continue to further the kingdom? So in closing, why does all this matter? Why does all this matter this morning? You can kick the air back on. We are the body. And <laughs> In John chapter 17, it says this, verses 21 through 23, because Jesus, just before he went to the cross, he prayed for all of us. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are, one Father. That just as you are in me and I'm in you, so they, they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are. I and them and you and me all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. You know what was so great about Monday? That we came together as a family, as a community. So I want to applaud you, church, for a great job. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud that what you've done to show a man who doesn't even know if the existence of Christ is real. God is real, church. I said all that to say, listen, we are here for one purpose, and that is to tell people about the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that I can step back and, and see people run around the church and bring out chairs, and, and I'm glad the family has come back. I am proud that you're here. I feel blessed. Thank you for being with us. We love you. You matter to us. But more importantly, you matter to Christ. You really do. That's what church is about. Do you believe that we're here for a purpose? Each and every one of us are here for a purpose. I just wanted to share that with you, even though many of us are different in this room. We all come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different physical bodies. But in Jesus Christ, I hope that you've learned that we can come together as one body to be able to show people that because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And it's because of the old rugged cross and His amazing grace that saves us. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. After Jesus ascended into heaven, He called us to work that needed to be done. If He wants something done within the world, He chooses us. To do it. We have a great calling. A great mission. No one else is going to do it. We have to continue to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he wants a child taught, he finds a teacher to teach the child. 
And if he wants a sick person cured, he finds a physician to do his work. If he wants his story told, he finds a person to tell it. Literally, we are the body of Christ. Hands to do his work. Feet to run his errands. Voice to speak for him. Did you know that Michelangelo started 44 statues, but completed only 14? In a museum in Italy, you can see his 30 unfinished pieces of work. There are huge blocks of marble with only a hand or maybe a foot that was completed. The question is, are our lives like those unfinished statues? Is our potential for service still locked up within us? Is our potential for service still locked up within us? Listen, friends, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Him. And it's Him whom we want the world to know. We're here for a purpose. Working cooperatively with one another to let the world and people around us know that in Jesus Christ... People can find hope. People can find healing. People can find new life. May the Holy Spirit breathe upon us the grace of unity in Christ. So that in our multifaceted diversity of gifts, we might willingly serve our God and accomplish His purposes. That people might come to know Him and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. Can I just share this story with you? I saw Bob sitting right down here. Bobby was here. Little Bobby. Big Bob was here. Remember where James is sitting. And I watched your dad. I watched your relative. I saw him look up. And I saw him wipe his eyes. He was going through all kinds of emotions. What he needed was peace. What he needed was hope. And he found that hope in Jesus Christ. See, we have a purpose and a calling. That was amazing, church. What an amazing outreach that day. For the man stood back there and he was sitting. Then he stood up. And he said, Pastor Todd, I just want to thank you. He went like this, reached out his hand, and he said, thank you for doing such an amazing job today. I said, well, it's because of Jesus. He said, no, this was like special. And, you know, we know that your, Bob, your dad, Bob, is very loving and sensitive and kind. Not really. He's kind of a rough guy. Kind of talks like this all the time, looks at you like that. For the years I've known him, it's always like this. That's what I love about him. Great guy. But here's what he did. Stand up, CJ. And I knew right then, as God revealed in my message this week through prayer, he went like this. He was, I was standing in front of him, and then he went, step back, and then he did it. Waiting for the hug. I was like, wow. That was powerful. And I walked away like, wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for a man who says he was an atheist, who then told his daughter, 
You need to tell that Todd Tackett that I want a service just like that. See, sometimes we do things outwardly that we don't know what people are doing inwardly. That might have been your dad's salvation right there. Not everybody comes out and says, Hey, here's my great transformation today. But it was through that day, the measure of love, of hope, the promises of God that gave him hope. And church, if you're wavering, I want you to know that God is here. He's reaching out to love you because He cares for you and you matter to Him. That's all this is about. We didn't have to preach a a long sermon. I just wanted to love Him. So that was for Him to comfort Him during the time of loss of His wife of 62 and a half years. Am I correct in saying that? That's a long time together to say goodbye. But church, I got to stand up here and do what you did outwardly. I said how you lived. And you lived by demonstrating it to people. And that is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. That's what the body of Christ is about. And that's unity. So when you start feeling like you're failing a little, you just stand for Jesus. Say, I have a group of people that love me. Satan, you can't have me today. Oh, no. There's a greater work ahead. There's greater work to be done. We're here to to build the kingdom. Hey, I'll tell you, we might be busting out these walls this fall. Straight out that way 40 feet. We're going to be busting out that 40 feet that way because people need hope in Jesus Christ. And we have the great responsibility and privilege to share that with others. Let's all rise together. As we go into this invitation, maybe you've been kind of wavering and don't know, hey, what is it? What what do I need? But I want you to know that you can find your hope and your peace at the foot of the cross. That Jesus stretched out His arms because He loved you. And there's peace with Jesus. There's hope found in our Savior Jesus Christ. Would you come to Him today? And if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior... Would you come to Him today? God loves you. He cares for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we love You. We thank You that, Lord, we can just exemplify Your Word. Lord, You said that we're nothing without being part of the body of Christ. So, Father, thank You for for just the joy that we have serving You. Lord, I thank You for Your Spirit here today. I thank you that you're with us and there's peace with us. So God, today I pray that, that Lord, that for many that might be afraid, maybe feeling a sense of fear, that God, you will, will fill that void, bring peace and, and love and hope, contentment into their hearts. Your word says we don't have to be troubled, neither afraid. For Lord, we don't have to be afraid in, in a time of a, a pandemic and we don't know where the world's at, but Lord, you know more than we do. But God, we pray that, that you'll help us to put our faith and trust in you. God, we love you. Today, we, we kneel at the foot of the cross and we stop and we reflect upon the hope that was brought through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Lord, speak to the hearts of your people here. 
Lord, we love you. Change our hearts. Heal us. Lord, you said there's power, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. So, Lord, we claim it today. Life over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.